Welcome to the Insurgents Podcast with Frank Viola. And he's brought a friend. This is the podcast that supplements Frank's groundbreaking book, Insurgents, Reclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom, which is shaking up the Christian world. You can find out details about the book at insurgents.org. Sit back, open all four ears, physical and spiritual, and join the insurgents. Here's Frank. Welcome, friends, to another edition of the Insurgents Podcast. I'm here today with Timbo again. Tim, you want to go ahead and start us off by reading the passage that we're going to be in conversation over? We are taking on Matthew 16, verses 24 to 28, and the kingdom is mentioned in verse 28. Then Jesus told his disciples, If any wish to come after me, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay everyone for what has been done. Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Mm. Wow. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Well, why don't you kick us off then in terms of uh, sharing on this passage? This is Jesus on discipleship. This is Jesus on the core of, of what it means to be a disciple. And it's not easy. You know, it's not an easy message to hear. And I think it was especially challenging for the disciples who were first hearing it. Mm -hmm. Because it's really muted for us in a lot of ways. Because a cross for us is a piece of jewelry or something that goes on <laughs> right. the wall of a church. For these guys, take up your cross was no metaphor. You know, in our in our day, we say, "Oh, I'm bearing my cross," and you know, it's like I have a, I have a tough job, or I have a wife that argues <laughs> right. with me, or I'm bearing my cross. Well, no, take up your cross is take up that piece of wood because you have to drag that piece of wood for a couple of miles before they throw you down on top of it and nail you to it. Mm -hmm. It's sacrifice. It's putting everything on the line mm. for Jesus. Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing held back. That's that's how the disciples, those first disciples would hear it. And that's what it is. And that's what it is for us too, to give ourselves completely to God's service because in the end that's what we're made for mm -hmm. that's what we're really made for and I think that's the that's the thing that sometimes gets lost is that he says you know what will it profit if you get the whole world but you forfeit your life but you forfeit that that life that Jesus gives mm -hmm. you can have everything but it doesn't matter mm -hmm. and see the thing is you can have everything before you start. <laughs> yes, start. Welcome to podcast world. I guess, that, I, guess, I guess I was. I guess I was in preacher mode. It's always too loud. <laughs> you can have everything, but it doesn't matter if you don't have the life that Jesus gives, and that's just. And that's just the truth. Mm. So really, you know, it's it's the old. Maybe you know the the, the reference here. He is no fool who gives up what he can't keep 
But see, that's the reality, right? It's hard words, but the hard words point to a reality that really is full of real life, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, short, the short term is cross, suffering, that's part of the way this broken world works. But that's not the goal, right? That's not the, it's not suffering for its own sake. It's, right. it's that there is, there is something better that God has in store for us. Yes. The quote that is used often is from Jim Elliott, the missionary, who wrote in his journal in 1949, quote, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose, end of quote. Now, what I find interesting is that many years before Elliot was born, the commentator Matthew Henry attributed a strikingly similar quote to his father, Henry Philip. And this is what Henry Philip said. He is no fool who parts with that which he cannot keep when he is sure to be recompensed with that which he cannot lose. So that's the original longer version, and Eliot made it shorter and easier to say and easier to remember. And he wrote it in his journal. You know, he was not publishing this in a book or anything, which is neither here nor there. But whether it's the longer quote by Philip Henry or it's the shorter quote by Jim Eliot, it shows us that we are wired for gain as humans. Mm. We don't suffer just to suffer. There's a reward at the end of it. Mm. And I like that in the beginning of Matthew, Jesus talks about various religious activities. And then he says something like, well, they have their reward because they're doing it in front of the eyes of mortals in order to gain their applause. And in effect, he's saying your temporary reward of this earth is simply being honored and applauded by humans versus the applause of heaven and the honor of God. But the kingdom, Tim, comes out of the cross. Mm. Not just the death of Jesus. The death of Jesus obviously made it so that the one individual who embodied the kingdom became a community that spread all over the planet and embodied the kingdom, right? There was an expansion of the kingdom through the cross of Jesus Christ. But when individuals who are following Jesus embrace the cross, the kingdom advances that way as well. Hmm. It advances in our own lives, it advances in our communities, and it advances in and through the people that we touch. I have a few things that I wanna speak in line with what you had said. The image of taking up the cross and you painted a beautiful picture about the horrendousness of what that is. You know, it's a it's a bloody, horrific, even torturous symbol. And for people to wear crosses on their necks and so forth, I'm not condemning that. But if we understood exactly what it was, the brutality of it, crucifixion was such a brutal exercise. Um, you know, it wasn't nice and shiny. <laughs> But the meaning of taking up your cross is that the horizontal beam of the wooden cross was laid upon the shoulders of the person who was carrying it through the streets, enduring public shame and insults. So that was the image. It preceded the dying upon it, 
but it was this shameful display in public. It was ignominious. So that act of carrying the cross displays the full and open allegiance to Jesus that I'm willing to not only suffer for him, but be a fool, be despised Mm. for him. And I have often said that what the cross is at the end of the day is losing. It's laying your life down. It's denying yourself. It's losing your life. And this is, in effect, the way we follow Jesus. Because right there in this passage, he is connecting, following me, with taking up your cross. And the phrase literally in the Greek, when he says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Literally, it's come behind me in the Greek, Mm. which has the meaning of literally following him. And where Jesus ultimately went (laughs) was up a hill (laughs) to die. So losing with Jesus means winning with God and suffering issues into glory. We share both his suffering and that's connected to the future glory. So you find this in the book of Romans, you know, if we suffer with him, we will reign with him. It's in 1 Timothy. There are references to it throughout the New Testament. The book of Philippians talks about partaking of his sufferings, the fellowship of his sufferings, and then the joy and the power of his resurrection, right? They're connected. So again, we're wired for gain. And Jesus speaks to that. You know, if you suffer with me, if you take up your cross and follow me, there is reward. There is glory at the end of it. Yes. <laughs> the reality that, that Jesus is pointing to here is that in order for the kingdom to advance, in order for the, for the message to continue to be preached and to engage people and transform their lives, that there's times where there's going to be suffering involved with that. There's mm-hmm. going to be opposition. You're going to be shamed. And I appreciate you bringing up that aspect of shame that goes with it because I think for some people, that's even worse mm. than getting beat up or killed, right? For some people, if I have to, if I have to suffer, if I have to have bad things happen to me, I can tolerate that. I can do that. I can suffer in that way for Christ. But if I'm going to look foolish, if I'm going to be ridiculed in front of other people, mm. well, hey, I'm not doing that. Right. But that's part and parcel of what happens mm. to Jesus. And so like the, the, the disciple is like the master. That's part of our reality as well. Mm. And yet the goal here is the life that really is life. The, you know, the, that, the, the life that Jesus came to bring. Yes. The real, the real life. Yes. And it's only because of the brokenness and sin and evil in the world that the suffering is a necessary part of this. It's like you said before, it's not, it's not suffering for its own sake. It's not like there's some kind of inherent nobility in mm. suffering, that suffering is somehow inherently praiseworthy. Right. No, it's, it's not. It's just because in the, cir- in the circumstances in which we live, in the reality in which we live, that's going to be a natural consequence. Mm. I mean, it's just 
unfortunately, the way the world is, if we're going to follow Jesus, that's going to happen to, mm. to most of us, at least some of the time. You know, Jesus' mission was to go to the cross, and he knew that and lived that out. Mm. But it's because of his ultimate mission to bring redemption. It doesn't stop at the cross. It doesn't stop at the cross. Our faith doesn't end on Calvary. It ends with the empty tomb. Yep. The resurrection, the goal of it all, and to live by resurrection life, which is bound up with this call to suffer. I'll put it this way. The kingdom of God is brought in through the cross of Jesus Christ, but it is manifested post-resurrection of Jesus when we who follow him embrace the cross. Hmm. his cross and our cross which he allows to come into our lives the same way that he bore the cross the same way that he carried the cross there's power in this word manifestation because in second corinthians paul in effect and i'm paraphrasing him and it's in chapter four and later in chapter six you see the same concept but he will say things like it is through death in us that we enter into life and that we minister life to you. And so there is reward on the other side, but there's also the joys and the glories and the pleasures of receiving and ministering out of his resurrection life when we lay our lives down, when we die, and when we suffer. So there is an element that we experience before we pass through the veil and have the fullness of the kingdom come and the reward of the kingdom come. We can taste of that resurrection life now. And it really is the secret to ministry of impact, the laying down of one's life, the losing. And the Lord will give us many opportunities to lose. Some of them are horrific and very painful and others are not as dramatic, but it's still the dying of our own natural I'll use the term soul life or self life. And this is the way the kingdom is manifested within us as well as through us is by taking up the cross. And it's painful to give up some of those things that are part of the false life. Yes, absolutely. It it just is. It's painful to give up some of those things. But as you said, the reward is is so much greater. Mm. And I want to pick up on something that you said Mm. about the resurrection life being lived out now. Yes. That it's not just something for when Jesus returns and the, and there's the general resurrection and we're all, mm-hmm. you know, and we're all living in our resurrected bodies, but that the resurrected life manifests in our lives now. Just like the kingdom is among us, right? The kingdom is breaking in to this world. Yes. Not fully present, but but breaking in. And I think that that I think that that is a is a helpful piece of information to keep in mind when we read the last two verses of this passage, where Jesus says, "For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay everyone for what has been done." Mm. Truly, I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom, mm. and. That leads to all kinds of speculation, right? About, oh, well, who's still alive from the time when Jesus was walking the earth? Mm -hmm. But I don't think that's what's going on here. I think, yes, there is a time when the Son of Man 
comes with the angels and there's the last judgment and the culmination of the of the kingdom being fully realized but that's not the only time that jesus shows up in power Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and the thing is i don't think i'm just making this up because we end chapter 16 with verse 28 and then we start chapter 17 and right at the beginning of chapter 17 he goes up the mountain with peter james and john and it says his face jesus face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light Mm -hmm. there's the son of man in glory right there look at him they get that glimpse right and that in that that helps prepare them for what's coming that helps prepare them for jesus cross and for the crosses that they're going to have to bear the Mm -hmm. suffering that they're going to have to do the shame that they're going to have to endure as jesus accomplishes his walk to calvary and it's just like you said when we get those that bit of resurrection life in our life it doesn't make the suffering go away but it empowers us to to be able to continue moving in the direction that god is calling us yeah that's really good and it's interesting because in episode 84 of this podcast we actually looked at the phrase some here will not taste death and it's interesting to me how commentators and scholars have all interpreted it differently i personally see it as both and (laughs) in stages but i love i love how you said that the disciples that the three who watched him transfigure and be transformed on that mountain it really prepared them because it gave them a preview a living in-person preview of his second coming and his vindication so i definitely think that's the kind of the first step or the first stage of this fulfillment some will not taste death because they certainly didn't and then there was his resurrection and many of them saw him raised from the dead that was the second step Mm -hmm. many will not taste death until they see the son of man coming in power and then after that there was the destruction of jerusalem which was a vindication of the claims of jesus and who he was in AD 70 and then finally there was the day of Pentecost and boy he came in power then Mm. in the spirit Mm. and many who were under his teaching and heard him say many will see the son of man coming in his kingdom were there on the day of Pentecost and saw him come in power and of course ultimately all of that was a foreshadowing of the ultimate coming of the son of man in power at the end of the age but we can taste of all those things we can taste of his resurrection power we can taste the outpouring of the holy spirit all of these things give us a measure of strength to be able to endure just as jesus endured the cross because of the joy that was set before him in the same way we see that we are not suffering in vain. Mm. We're not losing in vain. We're not dying to ourselves in vain. I'll read Matthew 16, 25 from the NIV. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. And when I was a young Christian, I read that and I thought, well, he's talking about martyrdom. 
uh, this is missionaries dying for Jesus. But no, you lose your life. You can lose your life every day mm. by laying it down mm. and forsaking yourself, forsaking your desires. Matthew ten thirty eight. Whoever does not take up their cross, their cross, and follow me is not worthy of me. This message of laying your life down, losing your life, forsaking all to follow him is all throughout the Gospels. It's part of the call of Jesus. But one of the things I want to highlight here is that in Matthew 16, 25, he uses life twice. Whoever saves his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now that word life is psyche, and it has to do with the fallen soul life, the natural life. There's another word for life in the New Testament, it's zoe, and that's the divine life. That's God's life that indwells us. And one of the outstanding marks and features and characteristics, Tim, of the soul life, the natural, fallen life, is self-preservation. And I'll put it this way, the very first instinct of any human soul is to preserve itself. (laughs) Uh, Or to put it another way, the first law of survival for the human soul is to keep from being crucified. (laughs) And Jesus had this titanic struggle in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was confronted with the fact that he had to literally, now he had been doing it all his life, laying down his life, losing, forsaking himself and his desires for that of the Father, denying himself. But at Gethsemane, this was the ultimate laying your life down. This was the ultimate losing of your life. It was literal. And it was not just death. It was a horrendous, torturous death. And he, for a moment there, had a will that was in contrast to the Father's will. And that's when he said, not my will, but yours be done. He was laying down his natural soul life and the willingness to lay down his physical life because again the joy that was set before him gave him the power to endure and in the same way the promise of the second coming of Jesus Christ the appearance of Jesus Christ the parousia or parousia however you want to pronounce it when the reward of eternal life will be given On the other side, the reward of the kingdom and its fullness will be given. That hope does, in fact, give us motivation, energy, and strength to lay our lives down because it's not for nothing. And exactly what you said, the transfiguration did that for those three men. It gave them that tangible, visible, up-close-and-personal preview that, hey, it's not for nothing. There's reward at the end of this. And to make this practical, I will just say this. When the soul is attached to something, our fallen human life is attached to something, and we fear losing it, that's a symptom that we're living by the natural fallen life, the soul life, rather than the life of God. So read your symptoms. (laughs) What are you afraid of losing? The human soul is programmed that way. We fear losing that which the natural part of us is attached to. And those are the places and those are the things that the Lord puts his crosshairs on. 
That's in his bullseye because he wants us to be willing to lay down our lives. And the only way we can lay our lives down is by living by his life. It was the divine life that led him up the hill and gave him the strength to bear the cross and only bear it, but die upon it. And in the same way, it's his life that will give us that power as well. And it really is a natural part of us that does that clinging. It's so deeply programmed mm-hmm. into humans. Yes. It's, and well, let, let's face it. I mean, if we didn't have some self-preservation, we would just walk out into traffic. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> you know, so, so it's not all. It's not all a bad thing, but it's the way that it gets twisted. It's the way that it gets twisted and how it makes us miss the life that really is life. It's, it's like Augustine said, it's not the evil things that are really tempting. It's the good things that keep us from the best thing. Mm. That's, that's what happens. We love, these, we love these intermediate things because that's what our soul craves. As you said, we're programmed for reward, right? We want, we want these things. Mm. I, I always laugh when... I'm with people who are, you know, faithful believers, mm. people that love Jesus. And you get into a conversation about, well, uh, the second coming or the fact that at some point we all, if, if we don't last till the second coming, then we're all going to die. So that's going to happen. And the, and the prayer, Lord Jesus, come quickly. It's like, well, I, I love that prayer. I love Lord Jesus, come quickly. Mm. You know, yesterday would be great. <laughs> Inevitably, I get pushback for that. It's like, well, it would be awesome if Jesus came back, but I really want to make that trip to Hawaii. Mm -hmm. Or I I really want to see my grandkids grow up and graduate from college. Mm -hmm. And are those bad things? Mm -hmm. I mean, those aren't bad things. But I'm sorry, if we're thinking, if we're thinking along the way that Christ wants us to think, boy, the second coming... All things made new. Mm. No, you know, no more evil. Yeah. No more pain. I'll give up my trip to Hawaii. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But see, that's but that's the, that's that's what's going on. That's I think one of the things that's going on with this text because it's you want to save your life. You want to save those things that yeah. are valuable to you. And, and it's not that oh I want to you know I want to save my gambling habit. Right. It's it's that I want to save these things. I, I'm holding on to them. And Jesus is saying to us, there's that and there's more. Mm. There's more. If you just let it go, yes, will there be suffering? Yes, there will be suffering. Because you're going to be, you're going to be doing the work of the kingdom, which there's always going to be opposition to. But the result, mm. the result, right? The mm. blessing. Very good. I just want to say for anybody who just began listening or maybe you picked up some episodes before this, and you're journeying with us in recent days. All of these episodes build on each other. And so there's a lot of overlap. And then there are certain topics or even statements that we will make that have been expanded in a previous episode. And the same is true for future episodes. So you want to catch up. You want to go back and listen. I realize that some of you listen to like 10 15, 20, 30 different podcasts. I think it would be super wise if you just deleted all those other podcasts from your iPhone or your Android and just listen to the Insurgents podcast. Timbo's cracking up over here. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm joking, but I'm also making a point, and that is that most Christians, in my experience, Timbo, have ADHD. They cannot stay with any one thing. They've mm. got to go over here. They got to turn the channel here. They got to listen to this. They got to consume this. And basically, at the end of the day, if you ask them, well, what was the heart of that particular message? They could not tell you because their brain has been scattered all over the place. Interpret that the way you want. I'll just say that if any of this is grabbing you, any past episodes have grabbed you, they all go together and you want to listen to all of them. And I'll tell you this, I believe this firmly and I say this soberly. I believe that if you carved out a period of time, months, because it would take you that long, and you listened to a steady diet of the Insurgents podcast, every episode, one after the other, after the other, up until the most recent, I can't help but believe that the Lord himself would reshape your mind and your heart in dramatic ways. You would see things differently a lot of things and you would be closer to the Lord if I didn't believe that I wouldn't be taking the time and the energy and putting the money into what it takes to produce these podcasts I don't derive anything personally from this you don't we're doing this as a service to the body of Christ and I have gone on record saying many many times if it's already done and it's already out there I'm not gonna produce it why duplicate it if it's already out there then go ahead and listen. Now, there are other podcasts on the kingdom, but what we're bringing to the table is, in fact, different. Now, you be the judge if it's better or good or edifying or helpful. That's for you to decide. But if we did not believe that this was transformative, and again, I'm not just talking about this episode. I'm talking about all of them together. Then I would have zero interest in producing any of it because I don't benefit from it personally. And it's a lot of work and it's a lot of time. We're not in it for the money or the glory. <laughs> because there is no money or glory in this. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll say goodbye to you. Hopefully you're laughing with us yeah. and we'll see you in the next episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Insurgents Podcast and give it a five-star review on iTunes. This will help others find it. Also, you can join Frank's unfiltered email list at frankviola.org and receive encouragement, challenges, and insights connected to the gospel of the kingdom. Remember, the insurgence has begun. Don't miss it.